All right, happy Sunday. How are we doing? Awesome. My name is Cody Wason, and I'm the lead pastor here. And just want to say thank you for joining us as we celebrate Jesus tonight. Man, I'm excited. I'm humbled to be able to have your attention for the next 30-ish minutes just to celebrate Jesus. That's what we're going to do tonight. But before we jump into that, have a few things uh, that we want to uh, take care of, a few exciting, um, we'll call them house business, uh, to attend to. And uh, I don't know if this has ever been said from the stage here at Antioch, so this might be the first time, but uh, we are a family that is committed to encouraging and supporting and rallying around those within our family that are doing one of the bravest things that you can do, and that is adopting. Y'all with me? It is a mandate from heaven, it's a mandate from the Bible that we be ones, the church, the big C church, the people of God would take care of those that need help being taken care of. And, uh, and orphans fall into that. And so if uh, in a minute here, I'm going to kind of get to share uh, uh, a video from some, uh, a couple on staff that aren't here tonight because they're in the process of adopting, uh, which is we're really excited about. In a couple weeks, you're going to get to hear from another family who couldn't be here tonight, um, Ryan and Carrie Brockstrom, if you know them and love them, we're going to get to hear from them, hear their story and get to pray for them and f- see how we can rally around as a church but I just wanted to make it known before we, we show this video of our worship pastor, Nolan, and our communications director, Sarah, just explaining where they are tonight. Uh, I just want you to hear it from the front. If, you are, uh, if you're a family in the room, if you, if you are praying through, thinking through uh, the adoption process, we want to rally around you. We want to support you. We want to pray for you. We want to see, I mean, those things are expensive. We want to rally finances for you. So we, maybe we haven't done it in the past four or five years, but may this be a line in the sand moment where from this time forward, we are going to be a church that celebrates those among us that are in this process. So if you're in the room and you've adopted or you're going to adopt, let us know. We want to be a part of the journey. Let me know. Come and stop me. Find someone on staff. Email us. Come to our house. Figure out a way to let us know where you are in the process so we can rally with you. And on that note, um, like I said, our, our, uh, a couple on staff, the Gilmores, they're not here uh, tonight. They're uh, in a, at an Airbnb in Arizona as they are in the process of adopting their second child. And I asked them to shoot a little, I've, uh, just a little iPhone video just to give us a taste of what's going on in their world. So if we can... Hey, we're going to pray for the Gilmores in just a second, but just to make sure there's no confusion, um, they were unaware that the Brockstermans weren't going to be here tonight. So uh, we're going to be together with Ryan and Carrie and their family in a couple weeks, and I would encourage you to listen intently to me then um, and tonight as well. So join me as we pray for the Gilmores. Jesus, thank you for Nolan and Sarah and Ellie Joy and the life they bring to our church, the life they bring everywhere they go. Jesus, I pray you would be a comforter right now in that room. And, and, and for those of us that aren't, uh, uh, haven't gone through the process, haven't thought about what it would be like to sit in a hospital room across the room from, from the birth parents and, and to go through the emotional journey of, 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 an, of a couple giving up their kid because it's the best thing to do uh, to another family uh, and the, the, the pain and, the, and just all the, the needs of every heart in that room, Lord, would you cover it all? In the name of Jesus, 
would you cover the birth mom tonight? We pray for Stephanie. Lord, would you encounter her in a real way? Lord, we pray that addiction would not be her portion. We pray breakthrough. We pray salvation. We pray healing. We pray life over Stephanie and and the father of the baby. And Lord, I pray over little Ellie Joy, little two-and-a-half-year-old Ellie Joy. She's meeting her birth parents for the first time. And she's meeting her brother for the first time. And all the emotions and all the things that can go along with it, Lord, would you cover that little girl's heart? Would there be wisdom from heaven for Nolan and Sarah and, and, and the social workers and everyone involved on how to, how to go about this process? And Lord, at the end of it all, would you be glorified through the life of, of Ezra, through the life of Ellie Joy, through the family uh, uh, of the Gilmores, would you be glorified? And Lord, I ask everyone in this room, would you move in our hearts? Would you move us to somehow be a part of being the hands and feet to people that need it? to a generation of kids growing up without families. Or I don't want to be a part of a church that talks a big game about loving kids, but won't actually do it. So Jesus, would you move me? Would you move families? Would you move individuals? Would we be ones that actually engage with the pain and the need and see families born? Thank you for adopting us. Thank you for adoption. We love you and we need you. Amen. Amen. Ooh, okay. Um, also, really, really fun announcement that I get to make. You know, we, I love being a part of this tribe, this, this Antioch family, um, but I also love being a part of what God's doing uh, in, in the valley. And in fact, this morning I had the honor uh, and the privilege of just being a guest, just going to church. Uh, uh, this morning I went to the well in Sandy. Anyone familiar with the well? All right. They're amazing. I, I love Jason. I love the staff. I love what they're doing. In fact, if you're visiting, if you're checking us out and you're like, man, this is not my cup of tea, that's great. I love you. I want you to get plugged in. Come find me after service. I'll get you connected with Jason and those guys. You can go check them out. It was incredible just hearing the gospel proclaimed and seeing people get set free. And as I drove home, I was just struck by how cool it is that we get to be a unified church here in the valley. There are so many places in the country, places that a lot of us maybe have lived before, where, it is com- where church has become a competition. And it's, and it's a competition for people and resources and time. And you want to be the best this and best that. In, I just want you to know, from the pastors that I know in this valley, we are all in this thing together to see Jesus be made famous. And it is exciting and, a, and an honor. And we get to all worship together next Saturday. So uh, next Saturday, I want to invite you to join me. You can throw the slide up. Uh, there's a thing called Awaken the Dawn. Some of you might have been a part of it last year. They do worship on state capitals. They do worship at the Capitol. Well, they're doing a regional event here where they're inviting ch- every church in the valley that worships the name of Jesus, and we're gathering to, uh, to, just, to just worship and pray for a revival in our state. And we get to go. I would invite you next Saturday at 7 p.m. at K2, K2 the church. We're going to gather with uh, churches from all over the state and just pray and worship together for what God's doing. And I encourage you, if you can make it there, I think it's going to be a powerful time, not only of worship, but just to, be, just to link arms. I think sometimes we need to know that we're not the only ones. Like, we're not the only tribe in this state. By far, we are not the only group of people in here trying to worship Jesus, trying to make Him famous, try, try, to, try to live like Him and for Him. And to be able to walk into a room 
and see people from all over the state uh, that, that you can just look at and go, I'm not alone. We're in this thing together for the glory of God. So next Saturday at 7 p.m., K2 the church, we're going to be sending out social media. It'll be in our email announcements. But go ahead and put that on your calendar. I would love to see you there. Okay. I want to celebrate one other thing, and that is my wife is here. The... The best part of the Wason family is sitting in the front row. She's amazing. For those of you who don't know, she's had, a, been a, had surgery about seven, eight weeks ago, had her tailbone removed, and didn't know that was a thing, and, and have been on a, a journey, and we're still in it. There's still pain. There's still, there's still things that, we're, that she's figuring out. We've got two little kids, um, but she's here, and uh, I just want to honor her um, in this process. She's, she's amazing. She is a warrior. She's the best mom I could ever ask for for my kids, even in the midst of pain. Um, but she's here when if it was me, I wouldn't be here. Uh, but she loves you guys. She loves the church. She wants to be around y'all and be a part of this so much so that she's not only here, she's like the only one sitting over here in the front row, uh, just repping up here. Just glad to have her back. Well, I'm going to finally start the message for those of you that are, uh, have been waiting patiently. Uh, we're in a series called Jesus Stories. And really simply looking at the life and the ministry of Jesus and saying, what can we learn about the person of Jesus and what can we apply to our life today? And uh, I want to start off by saying, uh, so I've been a pastor now for uh, about four years. Um, and thanks. Was that Marissa? Uh, she got me. All right. So something I, I learned really early on uh, when, I, when my job title went from, I used to sell nuts and bolts before I was a pastor. So when my, sale, when my job title went from salesman to pastor, I encountered this really weird thing. And that is, y'all know how to interact with me as a pastor in this room. But when we leave this room, y'all don't know how, no one knows how to interact with me. I'm at, whether I'm at like at dinner or at the gym and we're just getting, I'm talking to people. Hey, what do you do? And the moment I say, oh, I'm a pastor, it gets real weird. And the best example of this, I just did a wedding. I had the honor of, of marrying Tom Wood and Mackenzie Merritt um, from our church in, in Washington, just outside Washington, D.C. last weekend. And it was awesome. But weddings are like the prime place where people, because I don't, I, I'm there, I've flown in, I know a handful of people, but most people have no idea who I am. So I'm at the rehearsal dinner, and all these friends and family, and the weird uncle, and grandma and grandpa, and, and all, the, all the bridal party are there, and, and literally we're all in a room waiting for dinner, and uh, of course, uh, the, 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 the father of the groom stands up and goes, where's Pastor Cody? We need someone to pray. And I'm like, all right, all right, that's, I'll pray, I'll pray. So I pray for the food, and, and we start eating, and then, of course, I'm sitting down, and I'm, I'm talking to people that don't know me, and they're like, so you're, you're the officiant? Are you really a pastor? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I do. I'm a pastor. And I kid you not, I had one interaction with a guy um, who we were standing, uh, I, I guess he wasn't there for the prayer, so he didn't know who I was, and so I'm, we're standing in the corner, and we're, we're drinking a beer, we're just waiting for dinner, just being normal people. And I'm talking to him, what's he do? And, and he works in finance, and I don't know what that means. That's Chandler Bing language. So I'm like, okay, you work in finance. And then, and then he's like, hey, what about you? And I'm like, well, actually, I'm a pastor. And I kid you not, he puts his beer down, and he goes, hey, I'm sorry. 
And I'm, I'm like, what are you sorry for? And he goes, I, I normally don't cuss, but I think I said, like, I think I said hell a few minutes ago. And that's just not, I'm so, and I'm like, uh, and I literally go, hey, pick up your beer. You just made this weird. I'm like, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Let's just move on. But there's just this weird thing where it's like, oh, you're a pastor, and I can't be myself, and I can't be normal, and I can't have fun, and it's all this weird stuff. But what I've also noticed is when you're my friend, when I know you, when I have a relationship with you as a friend, that usually doesn't happen. Nothing's changed about my status. I'm still a pastor. Whatever scary thing that brings to mind for people, I'm still that. I'm still a pastor, but when I'm, a, when, when I'm your friend, there's not that awkward, like, weird interaction. That thing kind of goes out the window. And tonight, if you haven't guessed it, I want to talk about how we relate to Jesus. And there's a story in here about, uh, that Jesus tells his followers about how he wants to be in relationship with us. Because here's the reality. I think we come under, rightfully so, we put Jesus in his right place. So this is one of those paradoxes of the kingdom, paradoxes of being a believer. We put Jesus in his right place. He's king. He's Messiah. He's Lord. He's Savior. He's God incarnate. He's all those things. And yet, if we only know him as king, and we don't know him as friend, our relationship with him will get really weird. If we only know him as king, and we don't know him as friend, what's left is most of us will will turn to try to just be a servant. And so, yes, we want to serve God and serve people and love God and love people. But when our relational dynamic with, with Jesus is he's the pastor that I know how to interact with when I come in the room. I know, how to, I know how to do the Jesus deal when I'm at church. But, but Monday through Saturday, I, I, I don't know. It, it gets weird, and, and he, he's king, and he's, he's, the, he's, he's that guy that I'll talk to at church or that guy that I'll pray to before I eat. But, but friendship, it's an intimate term. It's a vulnerable term to think about being friends with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. It's, it's a little weird. But tonight, I think... I think Jesus wants us to know that he doesn't just want to be worshipped as king, he wants to be known as friend. We've got to catch that. So we're going to look at John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, turn to John 15. And we're going to start in verse 12, just to give some context. This is a famous passage. Jesus is, is, is speaking to his disciples. John 15 is the passage where Jesus describes himself as the vine. And we will dig into that actually in a couple of months. It's a really powerful passage. But we're going to jump in verse 12 and 13. This is Jesus talking. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Let's just, so we're going to pause right there. So the point of this is Jesus is looking at his friends. He's looking at his disciples, and he's saying, I want you to know how to love like I've loved you. This is the, the whole point of this passage is that he's, I'm trying to get you to understand how to love each other. And I've been the example. There's no greater example of how to love each other than how I friended you. So he looks at when he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. I don't know about you, but if I was writing for Jesus, if I was, if I was in his, on his writing team, I, I, don't, I don't know why I said that. We don't have a writing team. 
Let's just scratch that. In case people are going to leave, be like, they have a writing team? He doesn't write this stuff himself? What the heck? No, no. So I've been watching some political shows, and that's probably it. Okay. No writing team. But if I was, if God was like, hey, you can write this part of, of Jesus' uh, uh, sermon here. Cody, go for it. I wouldn't write, greater love has none than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. I'd be like, hey, that's, that's really, that's powerful. But I would disagree, right? Like, wouldn't the greatest display of love be laying down your life for, like, people that don't know you, people that don't care about you, people that don't like you? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't that be? Because, I mean, if we, take the, if we take Jesus at his word, he's literally saying, there's no greater love. There's no greater display of love. No one has a greater understanding or display of love than what I've done. He's, he's, he's alluding to himself. He's saying that, then lay down, that a man that would lay down his life for his friends. And he's speaking about what's about to happen on the cross. But when you, start, when you, when you re- open the Gospels and you start to look at them through the lens of, how did Jesus do friendship? He's looking at his friends in this moment, and he's like, I want you to know how to love each other. There's no greater display of love than how I've loved you and how I will continue to love you when I lay down my life. Actually, in finality, I will die for you. But how I have been friends with you. So when you read the Gospels and you start reading, like like the first miracle of Jesus, he was invited with his friends to a wedding. Like Jesus, like I was studying this. Maybe this won't be revelatory to anyone else but me, but I was like reading commentaries and reading that. And I was like, like Jesus got invited with his friends to go to a party. And he went. Like if I'm thinking, I'm like, Jesus would be like, no, I don't do parties. I'm, I'm the king. I'm the Messiah. I don't go to parties. And yet, like, no, no, he goes with his friends and his mom. And he performs like the, great, like the first great miracle. He goes to weddings with his friends. When, it, when, when, when family members and friends are, 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 are grieving, he says that Jesus grieved with them. He felt their pain. Now, those are like two like, like really easy kind of, you just pull those out of Scripture. Like Jesus went to, he hung out with his friends. He, he, he grieved, he hurt, he was sad when they were sad. Uh, but when you read the gospel through the lens of everything I'm doing is for a relationship. Everything I'm doing, everything, every parable I'm telling you, every way I've lived my life has been unto relationship. It's been unto friendship. It hasn't been unto uh, me being a distant king that you worship on Sunday and you feel awkward around the rest of the week. The story of Jesus is he's like, this is all unto relationship. And you start looking through the parables, and you're like, man, Jesus was speaking of his friendship and his love for us and for his friends through, through all these different stories, through stories about, if, you know, even when you run away, even when you run the other direction, I'm going to be waiting for you, and I'm going to throw a party for you when you get back. And when you're caught in shame and you're, you're, you're accused, I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to defend you, and I'm going to fight for you, and I'm going to die for you. And he's looking at his 12 disciples, and he's looking at you and I, and he's like, I laid down my life for you, and you were my friend. Like, you know me. Think about this. His disciples, if you actually read them, they didn't get it. He, got, he chose like a bunch of young dudes. Like, most of them put them in between the age of like 15 and 20. 
So these 15 to 20-year-old guys are literally following around. If you read the gospel, there's time. Jesus is sarcastic. He gets frustrated. He's like, you are not understanding who I am or what I'm doing. They, they, there's this one famous uh, uh, passage where Jesus is describing himself as um, like uh, the, the ultimate satisfier for people. That if we would, that if we would, and he's, he's describing what it looks like to like, to like get filled up on the word of God and heaven and, and the eternal. And literally his disciples, his best friends in that moment, it's in scripture. It says they started looking around and, and Jesus is talking about being full of heaven. And they're like, did someone bring him secret food? Did someone bring him food that we didn't, I didn't see, did, they just don't get it. His friends would betray him. His friends would deny him. And not, all, not even all of his friends were there when he died for them. So we, we look at this passage and it's like, you start to realize, no, no, no it's, it's a display of love to lay your life down for people that, that you don't know. It's one thing to go overseas and spend a month or a year or five years or two weeks laying your life down in, in other countries for people that need it. It's a whole nother ball game to, to lay your life down for the friends that have hurt you, that misunderstand you, that you've given access to your life and your heart, and they have wounded you, and they don't get you. It's, it's a whole nother thing. And he's looking at you and me in this, in this passage, and he's like, I, there's no greater display of love. There's no greater display of relationship than the way I have chosen to go the distance with you as my friend, even when you don't get it, even when you have your seasons of doubt, even when you are frustrated, even when you yell at me. Even, I mean, that's what friendship is, right? Raise your hand if you have a best friend. They don't, even ha- they don't have to be in this room. Does anyone have a best friend? All right, everyone else, we're going to do ministry time in a minute. I'm just going to pray best friends up in here. But, but like, like, you have acquaintances, you have people that you know, you have friends that you like, yeah, we like, you know, do things together. We run in the same circle. And then you have those friends that you have, like, gone to battle with. And I'm not talking, like, side by side. I'm like, that you have, you, they've seen you at your worst. You've opened the door to your heart, and you're like, you're in. You're, you, you, I've given you access, and, there's, and they've seen you at your most vulnerable. They've seen you at your worst. They're the ones that are like, when you're making a bad decision, they're the ones that are, like, tapping, like, this is a bad decision. You're dumb. Stop doing this. That's a best friend. That's not an acquaintance. And Jesus is like looking at us and he's like, everything I did, I put on display my love for you. The way I did friendship, the way I did relationship, everything about me was so that we could be in relationship despite your seasons where you like don't even believe in me. You don't like me. You get mad at me. You don't want to be around me. You don't think I'm real. You think I'm distant. You think I'm cold. I haven't come through for you in the way you wanted to. You're mad. You're angry. You're hurt. You're wounded. I'm going to die on a cross for you. I'm going to be your friend. We have been given an invitation to friendship with Jesus. And if we miss it, if we miss it, then, I, then, then, I, I, then I, I'm afraid. And I'm talking to myself here too. If I miss friendship with Jesus, I miss talking to Jesus, if I'm, if I'm as daily knowing him, talking to him, venting to him, processing with him, getting angry with him, listening to him, trusting him, all those things, what's left is to come to church on Sunday and say, Jesus, you're king, and then go the rest of my, my week and say, I'm going to do my best to serve you, even though I don't really want to, because I don't have relationship. Y'all following me? 
Like, I think so many, so many of us get burnt out on the whole church thing and the whole Jesus thing because we've disconnected and we're like, yeah, I get it. Okay, Jesus is king. And I mean, I get it. I mean, it's a mystery. Like, it's God incarnate and, and he's God's son. And uh, okay, but he's king. I get it. I'm with you. I'm with you. But like, Jesus' friend, I just, that's a hard one to grasp. But as I was praying for tonight, I felt like if we missed this, like, we're, we, we kind of miss it. We miss everything that Jesus was trying to accomplish was relationship. All right, let's keep going. So uh, the next verse, verse 14, says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So let's start with that first one. Uh, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Okay. So this is where, like, the parallel between, like, human friendship kind of just runs its course, right? Because hopefully none of us in this room are talking like this to our friends. Like, if you're my friend, you'll just do what I say. Just do it. Just don't argue. Just do it. You're my friend, right? But, but we live in the paradox. We live in the tension. And Jesus is king. Now, now think about this way. Jesus can't ask us to reciprocate the friendship that he's shown to us, right? Jesus can't be like, well, hey, I lay down my life for you. Do the same for me. Jesus isn't going to betray us. He's not going to let us down. He's not got all these emotional needs that keep coming up and we have to keep dealing with. He's not broken. So we can't reciprocate the friendship of Jesus and be like, yeah, okay, thanks. You lay down your life. I got you next time. I'll lay my life down for you. So what Jesus is saying is like, hey, if you actually understand this relationship, if we're actually in relationship and, you, and you're with me, then like you'll, you'll, the way you'll display our, that we're in relationship is you'll actually like do what, I'm, what I've commanded. And that sounds really heavy, but it's like when we understand that what he's commanded us to do is for our good and for our life and for hope and for freedom and for destiny and future, it doesn't sound as harsh, right? He's like, hey, if you are my friend, here's how I know that you're my friend. Are you, just, are you listening to me? <laughs> are you trusting me? Are you doing what I say? And, and then he goes on to, to, to juxtaposition friendship with servitude. He's like, I don't call you servants. I call you friend. Servants don't know what's happening. Servants don't have relationship. Servants don't have communication. Servants don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Servants are just doing what they're told because they have to and there's no other way. That's not you. I call you friend. Every, he's like, everything I've learned from heaven. Think about that. Jesus had to learn. He's fully man. He had to learn how to rely on heaven. He had to learn how to rely on hearing the voice of God, and responding in obedience. He wasn't born that way. At least that's what it sounds like he's saying. Everything I've learned, I've told you. It's like you, like you have everything you need to trust me, to know me, to walk with me, to, be friends, to, to have friendship with me. This is not the love. This is not the display of love from a distant, amb like, ambivalent king. This is a friend who's like, I don't actually, I actually don't want you to serve me in that way that like you think of when you think of servant. 
I want you to know me and be friends with me and talk to me, and I want to tell you how to do this thing, and I want to talk to you, and it's actually a conversation, and it's a two-way street, and I will tell you everything you need to be my friend and to live this life of godliness. That's good news. We're not servants. We get to serve God, and we're called to, but we're not servants. We're not slaves. We're, we're invited to friendship with Jesus. We're invited to relationship. And I want to I note here that when I read this, no, uh, no longer do I call, or uh, you are my friends if you do what I command you. I feel like the challenge for me tonight is where, where is my obedience coming from? Because it sounds a lot like to me that Jesus is saying your obedience should flow from relationship. Your obedience should flow from friendship. This is where the world, like people that don't know Jesus, people that don't do the church thing, if you're here and you're like, this is the first time church, this is probably you. You're like, I don't, I don't understand why you Jesus people, why you church people, like, you, like follow God because it, he doesn't let you have all the fun you could have. I don't know if you're like me, like that was in high school, if I grew up in a Christian home like me, it was like that was my friends that would eventually get frustrated with me around 16, 17 years old. They were like, you don't get to do anything fun. Like, Following Jesus means he's keeping it. You have to like obey all of his commands to try and be holy and try to be right. And you don't get to go party and you don't get to go do all the things we're doing. I think when, when obedience is based in friendship with Jesus, the reality is he changes the want to. So it's like, I, hey, I get it. I get that you want to go sleep with anything and everything that moves. I get that you want to do, get to do whatever you want. I get that you want to go party and, 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 get, and get blackout drunk because you don't want to remember anything. I get that that's your idea of what I'm missing out on. And I know that I used to think that too. But I'm not saying no to those things begrudgingly like, man, I wish I could go do that. Man, that was so fun. That was the highlight of my life when that was what, what I got to do. It's like, uh, I've tasted of Jesus. Like, I don't want to do that stuff anymore. And so uh, our obedience isn't from, from religion. Our obedience isn't from servitude. Like, yeah, you're right. Uh, I really want to do all that stuff, but uh, I, I can't because I serve God. And, and I'm going to go have a Bible study and have fun, you know. Like, like, that's religion. And people don't get it. And people don't like it. And I don't think God likes it. He's like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that's awful. That sounds terrible. But what, when obedience is based in rela- relationship to Jesus, you know what that is? I think that's salt and light. I think people need to see that. I think people need to rub shoulders with people that are like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I, I mean, I get it, but like, I, 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 I don't want to do that because I have Jesus, and he's better. And that's like a cliche, like bumper sticker, like Jesus is better. I'm like, for those that have tasted and seen, it's like, hey, amen. Amen. I don't want to do that stuff anymore. I'm, so our obedience isn't based out of trying to earn something and be something. It's like, uh, because of Jesus, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go have a, a, a little time with Jesus. So there you go. All right, I want to, I want to end with this. this is, I should have said at the beginning, this is like a really simple message. I think those are oftentimes the best. We ask, when we're asking ourselves, do I, just, do I just relate to Jesus as a king and maybe even a distant king that I show up to on Sundays and I do my best to perform for? Or do I know Jesus as friend? And where is my obedience coming from? 
I think those are questions we have to ask ourselves, but the, there's a truth that I'm going to use a story from my, uh, my testimony to kind of illustrate, because we're not only friends of Jesus. That's like the beginning. There's, there's more. That's crazy, right? Okay. It's not crazy to you yet, but I'll explain. So uh, part of my testimony, so when I was about 16, 17 years old, um, I was having a really hard time. My family life was, was rough. My parents had separated, and it had been a pretty much, for most of my childhood, just dysfunction in the family, um, the way we handled, con- it was just, it was not, there's a lot of things. Now, I'm an introvert, and I'm non-confrontational, and at that time, I was like a little boy who didn't know how to talk about my emotions, so I had essentially, by the time I was about 16, 17 years old, had bottled up about 13 years worth of pain, questions, confusion, all sorts of things regarding just life and, and being a son and seeing my family and all sorts of stuff. But praise God, I, uh, I, had, four, I had three best friends that, uh, from church, Jordan, Jason, and Zach. They're not here. I didn't point to them. Uh, but Jordan, Jason, and Zach, and we started this little, uh, we would call it a, a discipleship group. Just the four of us, uh, we were high schoolers uh, that all went to different high schools, um, but we would come together on Thursday nights. And um, Zach Neal was one of my best friends, and his dad, Doug, led this little uh, discipleship group. So Thursday nights, we'd sit down, and there'd be uh, Papa Doug, and then the four of us. And man, I, for the first time in my life, I just sat, I remember that, I'll never forget the first time I sat down, because a little hurtful, but I've gotten over it. They had started the group without me. So they had started the group before we had become best friends. And so then we, I became best friends, and they're like, hey, we got this group. So I come in the first time, I'm like, I got my Bible, I'm like, I'm ready to like, I know how to do Bible studies, I got some verses that I was thinking in the drive over that I could whip out and like, like do this thing. And so we sit down, and uh, I think it was Jordan who went first, and he was like, all right, here's what I got to confess. And I was like, nope, that's not what this is, I did not know. And we proceeded, a group of 17-year-old dudes just started to confess sin, lay hands on one another, pray for one another. We went to Scripture. Doug led us through some devotionals. We, and, and, and everything was under this umbrella of how do we learn what it's like to be a man of God? And it was powerful, and it changed my life. That's why I believe in discipleship so much. I, I don't know where I'd be if I, as a 16, 17-year-old kid, I didn't have that. I really don't. So you hear us talk about discipleship around here. It's not because it's a religious thing to do. It's not because we're interested in, in programs. It's like, uh, I don't know of a better way, and it seems like it's the way that God has laid out for us to, to grow and mature and to sharpen, to have people that would challenge us. So I would sit down in there, and I would confess something, and I'd literally have them go, hey, that's not the whole thing. Don't, don't try that with us. I'd be like, yeah, you're right. That was only half of it. That's discipleship. That's like, man, we have friends. We have lots of friends that we all love to go to coffee with and go to lunch with. And they're like, how are you doing? And you're like, I'm okay. Really, you're like dying on the inside. You're up to your eyeballs and brokenness and addiction. But you're like, I'm okay. And they're like, great. Let me tell you about my life. And you're like, yeah, I have people. I have people that know me. And it's like, like I don't know. Do, do we have people that know us? and are willing to walk with us and push us to Jesus that we might uh, uh, be sanctified and grow and mature. That's not what this message is about. Okay. So here's the part of the testimony. Um, so that, we, that went on for, uh, for a while. Uh, about a year into it, um, 
Doug, after one of the times, Doug was the dad, he pulled me aside and uh, he said, hey, I want to talk to you. And, and uh, he said, hey, uh, Kathy was, I'm giving you guys all these names. I'm just a storyteller. I'm sorry. But now you can have a full picture. So Kathy was his wife, Zach's mom. And he goes, you know, me and Kathy and, and Zach, we've been talking, we've been praying, and uh, we want to invite you to be part of the family. And I remember thinking like, oh, what a gesture. Wow. That's great. Neato. I kind of already thought I was. I'm in your house like all the time. But, and so I think he could read that. He was like a, like a, like a psychologist. So I think it took him like three seconds to be like, no, no, no. Like he pulls out a key and he's like, hey, here's a key to the house. You've got, we've got a room set up for you. Anytime you need it. Anytime you need to sleep, anytime you need a place, we're, we're yours. And then he started to talk and explain. He goes, and I've made sure it's okay with Zach that we call you a son. And Zach's on board. So you're a son. You know what that means? When you're a son in the Neil house, that means you have access to everything. That means when, when me and Kathy are fighting, you don't leave the room. We don't ask our kids to leave the room when we're arguing. We want them to see how we handle conflict. So he looks at me, he goes, and I know you don't have a clue how to handle conflict. So you're going to sit in the room and you're going to watch me and Kathy do conflict. (laughs) And he goes, and and anything you need, anytime, anytime, you sleep here, you call me, you are a son, you have access to everything, Uh, you're a part of the Neil family. Can I just say, we need men. (laughs) to be men, to be dads, to be spiritual fathers. We need women that will mother people, even if they're not theirs. That man took me into his family, and he looked at me, and he said, you have no idea how to do life. I can see that from a year of listening to you confess all your stuff. And he knew the brokenness of my home, and he knew what I needed, and he looked at me, and he said, you have access to everything. Don't waste it. I know you're going to go off to college soon. So don't waste being a part of our family. And I know I said I don't know where I'd be without discipleship, but I don't know what I would be, where I'd be without Doug Neal and the Neal family taking me in and showing me how, to, how, how marriage and how, how parenting and just how to love Jesus. But here's, what, here's the point. I think the whole we need spiritual mothers and fathers is a good point. But that's not the point. What, what Doug was illustrating was what Paul describes in Galatians 4, verse 7. And that should be up on the screen. He puts it this way. You're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. See, I think of it this way. I was best friends with Zach. I, I had friendship with Zach. We, I, literally, we lived two towns apart, 20 minutes apart. I tried to... To, to move out of my house as a 16-year-old kid and move in with the Neil. This was before I was even allowed to be part of their family. But I wanted to go to high school with Zach, so I tried to convince my parents to let me move in with the Neils four nights a week because that's what the school board said it would take. Like, he was my best friend. And I look at it this way. I, I had access to him, and I can just see Zach going to Doug and being like, hey, I got, the, I got this friend. He's got to be a part of the family. He's got to have access to everything. You've got to adopt him. You've got to make him one of us. And we're friends with Jesus. 
And we have access to relationship with Jesus and, and friendship every day. We don't have to just serve Him. We can love Him and know Him and argue with Him and vent to Him. And we can walk life with Him. And you can just see Jesus like going to heaven and being like, I've got this friend. You've got to adopt them. They've got, they can't, it's, not just, it's not good enough that they're just friend. To completely cut off that slave or that servant mentality, we've got to adopt them. We've got to call them one of ours. We're not just friends of Jesus. We're not just invited to friendship. We're invited to sonship. And when I think about our inheritance, my inheritance with the Neals was, uh, uh, has affected the way I do marriage, has affected the way I'm a dad. Yeah, I, I have just such a rich inheritance from being a part of the Neal family. When you're a son or daughter of God, your inheritance is the Holy Spirit. Your inheritance is access to the Father heart of God 24-7. Your inheritance is being able to approach the throne of grace confidently, knowing that you will get help in your time of need. We are sons and daughters of, the, of God. We are friends of Jesus. And my, my heart tonight for us is that we wouldn't settle for servitude. That our obedience would flow from being a son or a daughter and a friend of Jesus. That our obedience would flow from relationship. That we would go out Monday through Saturday. That we'd come back here next Sunday. And be, our life would be so consumed with relationship that it even affects the way we worship the king. Because now we know the king a little bit better. I want to end by saying this, like this whole night I feel like has just been an invitation. Inviting us to relationship. Inviting us to friendship. Inviting us to be adopted in as a son or child uh, or daughter of God. If you're in the room and you're like, I've never received that invitation. I've never heard it or I've never responded. Maybe tonight's the night. Maybe you go from like checking out Jesus from a distance and like being comfortable putting a little space between you so you can worship him as king. But maybe you're ready, like, I need to I need the, receive the invitation to be his friend. I need to be a son. I can't be a slave anymore. I can't be a servant. I can't be a slave to my sin. I can't be a slave to the world. I can't be a slave to trying to do good for God. I need relationship. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. I'm going to pray here in a second. If you're in the room and you're like, I, I need somehow to respond to the invitation, I just invite you to pray with me. And maybe it's your first time. Maybe you're like, I need to like give Jesus my life, and I need to give it, the keys over to him for the first time. I need him to be Lord and King and friend. I need it all. Give me the whole platter. I need King and Lord and Messiah and Savior. I need friend. I need to be a son or daughter. I need it all. Maybe you're in the room and you're like, I think I've settled. I've, I gave my life to Jesus years ago or, or however long it's been, but I think I've settled for being a slave. Tonight's the night that we're just going to, just wipe the slate clean and say, we have access to friendship, to relationship with the living King. Pray with me. Jesus, I love you and I need you. I don't need the idea of you. I don't need a picture of you from a distance. Like, I need real. I need real relationship. Thank you that you are king. And thank you that you call me friend. I give you my life. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. So come 
take control. I don't even know what it all looks like, but I'm yours. I need you, and I love you, and I trust you. Amen. Why don't we stand? We want to end where we begin, and that's in centering our heart on Jesus. We do a little thing around here called ministry time. If the, if the ministry leaders want to come forward, and here's the invitation to us. Because I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are in your journey. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God or with Jesus. I don't know if you, uh, I don't know what miracles you're needing for. I don't know what breakthrough you're fighting for. But we want to be a people that, re- that respond when the Holy Spirit prompts us. So whatever your need is, come up and let us pray with you, love on you, pray for you. And I also want to spend an, extend an invitation. Because I know, I know the feeling too well. If you're in the room and you just feel like you've settled for slaveship instead of sonship. And you just need someone to lay a hand on you and not solve all your problems at once, but say, hey, let's go to heaven and let's just fight for friendship tonight. Let's fight for a relationship. If that's you, I invite you to come down whenever you feel comfortable. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you love us. You're fighting for us. You're for us. And you're for friendship and relationship. Thank you. Come minister to our hearts now. We love you, Jesus. Amen.